The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He sent him reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. So this tends to be a very uncomfortable gospel reading for people. It tends to be one of those that you get comments about after Mass, and I've noticed that basically throughout my priesthood. The story of the Canaanite woman is recorded twice, once in Mark uh, and once here in Matthew. And Jesus calls, first off, the woman calls out her daughter is possessed, as we hear. And Jesus is just, he gives her, you might say, the silent treatment. He does not respond to her at all. He is completely silent to her. Next, um, he actually arouses a, uh, she arouses a uh, response from him, but his response is really kind of to the disciples. Um, so that's the, she just keeps pleading. And then finally, um, Jesus does respond to her and he grants her her wish and actually affirms her faith. And in the midst of that, Jesus calls her a dog. He compares her to a dog. And that's really what a lot of people do not like. Um, people do not like that comment. They don't like the silent treatment that Jesus gives her. And a lot of people will say, that's not like Jesus to do such a thing. Why is Jesus doing that? And so I'd like to give in this homily just a little bit of catechesis on that. A little bit of explanation of why Jesus would have interacted with this Canaanite woman in this way. But I also want to talk about how this is relevant to us as Catholics, as practicing Catholics, and how to understand this um, and, and as a takeaway for us right now. Okay, so first, the woman. Um, a Canaanite woman in this area, this is the northwest part of the territory that Jesus is in. So Jesus spends basically, I don't know, 95% of his time in the region of what is now modern-day Israel. So Jesus is there, and he is specifically preaching to and doing his miracles among a very particular set of people, and this is, and Jesus talks about this multiple times. 
he says, I've, he, he kind of gives us his master plan, you might say, for how he's going to spread the gospel throughout the world. It starts with the people who are already prepared and in shape, you might say, to receive God. And that, that group of people, the Jews, have been being prepared to receive Jesus, the Messiah, God in the flesh, for 1,800 years, more or less. 1,800 years, starting with Abraham. And so they have a set of practices. Again, we think about the long history, and this is what we would call the Old Covenant, or the Old Testament. Those two words are interchangeable. God has slowly kind of gotten his people ready to receive him in this very, very deep way. And so these people are living a very intentional lifestyle by the time they're hearing Jesus preach. And even for many of them, it's very, still very difficult to receive the gospel. We see all the pushback that Jesus gets on a regular basis throughout the four gospels. Now here, Jesus kind of takes a little diversion in his ministerial path. We're not quite sure why. He goes up to this pagan territory. And this territory, and the way that we're meant to receive this uh, particular interaction and understand who this woman is, is um, not good. The most detestable practices that you could possibly imagine, um, she is most likely, um, if she is like those that she comes from, um, participating in the worship of demons, first and foremost, and you know we can kind of conclude that because her daughter is, uh, is possessed by a demon. Um, so she's worshiping demons, um, and she, she's in this ethos. Um, she's practicing the most, and her people are practicing the most uh, immoral, uh, horrible things that you could possibly imagine, um, just to name one. Um, child sacrifice was common for the Canaanites. So this is the kind of people that we're talking about here that this woman is coming from in this region. And so Jesus compares that group of people to dogs. Um, so not quite living up to the dignity of being a human being created in God's image and likeness. And that, and that is true, right? We, we might think to ourselves, if we are sacrificing our own children to demons, that, that's not really a human thing to do. Um, and so that's not, we wouldn't be living up to our humanity the way that God created us if we were doing those types of actions and all sorts of actions like that. And so it, it's not that Jesus is insulting her, he's just kind of saying it like it is. And this woman, in her persistence, um, which is, of course, a theme of this gospel, her persistent prayer, is able to um, penetrate these barriers between her and God. Because she says, basically, Lord, uh, she doesn't argue with him. She says, yeah, I am. Um, that has been my lifestyle, more or less, is kind of what she's admitting to. But even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that come from the table of the children. In other words, um, I recognize that my life and my practices, just being very straightforward, are not in accord with God's plan for me. But I desire to be yours. Even if I am living this 
animalistic lifestyle, I want to be your animal. I want to belong to you. And by this, she is elevated to the status of basically a child. Uh, she, is, she is given that which the children of Israel, by virtue of their relationship with God, receive. So very beautiful here, this just penetration. What is the practical takeaway for us? So that's kind of the catechetical part of the homily. The practical takeaway for us is we live in a time and an age where we like to think um, in this idea of religious pluralism. That is kind of a cultural ethos. There's many different religions. They all kind of lead to the same, the same way, to the same God. That has actually never been a Christian perspective. Um, that has not ever been what Jesus himself has claimed. Um, we believe that God himself became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ, and he established what we call the new covenant. And the new covenant is what all of us here in this church, who are Catholic, practicing Catholic, both those words are important, are participating in. That is the fullness of the truth, and we get certain privileges because we are Catholics. Now, there's different ways to think about this. Um, one way to think about this is, as Catholics, and, and so you might say there's a bit of a hierarchy as the Second Vatican Council kind of um, lays out this formula in, in its documents. It basically says, look, there is a hierarchical order um, to those who are most perfectly conformed um, or have the fullness of the faith or the opportunity to access God and receive grace. And that's the, the Holy Catholic Church, established by Jesus, Peter upon this rock, um, in obedience, practicing Catholics, we are privileged. We get sacramental grace. Um, we get our sins forgiven in the sacrament of confession in its fullness. We get to receive God in Holy Communion as a practicing Catholic. Now there's requirements from us. We're required to renew the covenant every single Sunday as we come to Mass every day of Holy Obligation. Um, and that's why it's a, it's a very big deal to miss Mass, something that we need to confess. Um, when we get outside of the covenant and we do something really bad, then we go to confession, we repent, we say we're sorry, and we, we're brought back into the fullness of the covenant. As Catholics, the term for that, you might remember from your catechism, hopefully, is state of grace. We call that a state of grace. We want to be in a state of grace. That means God can easily just kind of bless us and throw gifts at us all the time. We don't want to be outside of a state of grace. If we are, we want to repent and say we're sorry. God forgives us. We're back in a state of grace. To be brought into this covenant relationship with God, we're baptized. And the hierarchical structure that I started talking about about two minutes ago, the, but what it is is Catholics, other Christians, and then the way that the Second Vatican Council documents talk about it, documents talk about it, is then our Jewish brothers and sisters. So that, then you go into the realm of the non-baptized. And that's a whole different category of those who are in relationship with God. But God started the old covenant with the Jewish people. Um, and so then you have the Jews, and then, um, uh, and then there is also a degree, degrees of truth towards the, 
the real God and relationship with the real God among those who belong to the religion of Islam. And then you can kind of like scatter about the different religions. Yes, is, there, is it possible to have a relationship with God in these various different religions? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, what is the fullness of faith that God himself desires? Um, he made that very clear um, in, his own, in his own public ministry as he came. It is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church established by Jesus. And that is where we get the full benefits of being the sons and daughters of God the Father. And I would say, I heard somebody use this analogy as be the last thing I say, is it's almost like, you know, if you think about us compared to our brother, uh, our brothers and sisters, um, of our, our, brother, our other brothers and sisters of different Christian faiths who are not Catholic, you might say um, it's like we get the ability to use power tools, right, to build a structure or something, and um, because of our privilege or, or big machinery, as opposed to doing things with lesser tools. Um, we're just given the privilege, um, and that's a great grace. Lord, we ask you to help us to live in gratitude of the gifts that you've given us as being Catholics. We're very thankful for the church that you've given us, the way that you've given us to be in relationship with you. We ask you to bless us and bless all of our Protestant brothers and sisters as well. Um, bless them in their relationship with you and those of all religions. Help us to be grateful and to recognize the absolute and utter privilege that we belong to the Catholic Church, um, that you, you have made it so that we are practicing Catholics. Help us to have a strong, good, loving faith um, all the rest of the days of our lives. Bless our children and our children's children and all of our families, especially here at this parish, through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer just to listen to and speak with the Lord in our hearts.